God's word is his weapon for revival and transformation of lives for his glory. Prepare your heart as you receive the word of God coming to you from Calvary Way Revival Labors. For inquiries and counsel, you can send an email to Calvaryway Revival Labors at gmail.com or call 08065607999. God bless you as you listen and obey. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, we bless you, we give you praise for another opportunity to worship before you and to hear your word. We pray that our heart be prepared by your spirit, that your word will come to us and bear fruit in our lives. May your grace accompany the truth you are about to share with us that will enable us not to be hearers only but doers also. Thank you Holy Spirit. Thank you Father. Thank you for answering these prayers. For we have prayed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let the Amen be better. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I appreciate God for the opportunity given to me to worship with us today and powered to manifest. That theme, according to the verse, it came from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power. Jesus was talking to the disciples after he has risen from the dead. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Now, we are starting today because today is the beginning of the week, FAC week, and we are going to just lay a foundation on that theme which we will be looking at throughout the week. So let's read a scripture quickly. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I will be reading from verse 13. Okay, maybe I should start from verse 7. But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Edomia, and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and Zidon, a great multitude. When they had heard what great things he did, came unto him, and he spake to his disciples that a small ship should be to wait on him because of the multitude, lest they throng him. For he has healed many in so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. Verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve, that they should be with him. And that he might send them forth to preach. And to have power to heal sicknesses, 
and to cast out devils. Praise the Lord. Now we saw in this scripture the miracles that Jesus was doing. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons and as a result of that, the Bible says great multitudes were following him. And as all of that was taking place, he did something that was very significant. The Bible says in verse 13, he went up to a mountain and called those he wanted. And when they came, he chose twelve that they should be with him. Why? What's the purpose of that? So, so that he will be able to train them, equip them, empower them, and then send them forth to preach the gospel. There are three basic things that Jesus began to do when he started ministry at the age of 30. The Bible says, and it was consistent, he went about all the cities and villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and healing the sick, number two, and casting out devils. So as he was doing that, he needed to train some people for continuity. People that will have the same kind of power equipped with the same kind of life to enable them to do the same thing that he is doing. And that was why he chose them, the Bible says, that they should be with him. And from that moment, those 12 people he chose, they were always with him. Now, there are those three things he was doing was his intention that they should be equipped to do that. To preach the gospel, to heal the sick and to cast out devils. That he will send them to preach and that they will have the power to heal the sick and to cast out devils. Now, but why don't he give them the power immediately? Why will he have, he have to take them in and be with them for such number of years, three and a half years before the day of Pentecost? Remember that on the day of Pentecost, even though Prophet Joel prophesied that God said, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. It was not on all flesh that the Holy Ghost came upon. Am I correct? It was on those 120 disciples of His. At the time, there were about 70 of them that He, they were called His disciples. He sent them out to go and preach. And then, as of the time He was living, there were 120. And when the Holy Ghost was coming, it came to empower the disciples, not everybody. Are you following? Not even the multitudes that were following him, but those of them that were his disciples. The Holy Ghost came upon them because they have undergone some level of training that has equipped them with his life to be able to preach the gospel. Now, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the major ways we manifest him. One of the major ways we showcase Christ to the world. One of the major ways we shine forth the light of Jesus. Sometimes you hear people say, my life is preaching. We agree. But it was not only Jesus' life that preached while he was preaching. Two of us. His mouth was also what? 
preaching to people. The, the, the disciples in the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they were also preaching the gospel. Their life truly was preaching. Or we are preaching, but their mouth was also what? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is so important for us as believers, as Christians, that we must not neglect that command. He said to the disciples when he was about to leave in Mark 16, verse 17, verse 16, he said, Go ye into all the world and do what? Preach this gospel. Preach it to all creatures. Go and make them my disciples. Now, but one of the challenges about preaching the gospel, which has affected the evangelical life of the church, is the life of the preachers. We are many here. If our vicar will just say this morning that the Spirit of God has led him, that immediately after this service, all of us will march out to the streets or to people's houses to preach the gospel. You will notice that so many of us will start dodging, will start, you know, moving. Many will feel, I am not prepared for this. And it's not as if they are not prepared to talk. They can talk. But something is telling the preacher or the person that is about to preach, what are you preaching? Your own life how is it? It's very difficult for a normal human being who is living in sin to preach salvation to people. Very difficult. I say normal human being. There are abnormal human beings. I hope you know. One brother was telling me about his elder brother who will carry megaphone to go to streets to preach. And as he's preaching and you will provoke him, he will drop the megaphone one side and quarrel and fight with you well, well. When he finished the quarrel and fight, he will come back to his megaphone and pick up the mic and say, please, let's continue where we stopped. We call such people abnormal human beings. Normal human beings, when they are living in sin, when they are living in, you know, any kind of sin at all, they find it difficult to preach. If you say evangelism is every Monday by 4 o'clock, if we are 600 or we are 500, you may, if you see 20, you have seen a good number. Am I correct? The problem is not as if we don't like God. We like God. But something is embattling with us within. And that is what Jesus wants to handle. In fact, that was why he came. The reason why the Son of God came, the Bible said in 1 John 3 verse 8, is to destroy the works of the devil. In verse 5 of the same 1 John 3, he said, He was manifested to take away our sins. 1 John 3 verse 5, He was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him, there is no sin. In other words, anybody that says, Jesus has manifested in my life, check his life. No whether sins has been taken away from his life or not. If sins are still in his life, he has not manifested in his life. There is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in atonement and salvation of sin. 
In the Old Testament, when people commit sin, according to the law of Moses, there are prescriptions of the particular animal, whether a pigeon or a turtle dove, in the law of Moses, you are going to bring to the priest. On the Sabbath day, he will kill the animal, sprinkle the blood upon you, and tell you that your sins have been... And the following week, you will see the same people coming. That was why the Bible said that priesthood was faulty. And that was why Jesus came after the order of Melchizedek. As a priest, to bring a salvation, not just forgiveness. Forgiveness is not salvation. Salvation is when a man has encountered Jesus and has gotten the power to live above sin. If you are forgiven from lying, you will tell lie again and come back for forgiveness. If you are forgiven from sexual immorality, you will do it again and come back again and say, God, I'm sorry. That's the Old Testament life. Before Jesus was born, an angel came to Mary, uh, no, Joseph. Joseph was contemplating about putting away Joseph, um, Mary. And the angel came and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife. For she is conceived and she will give birth to a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save, not forgive only. He shall save his people from their sins. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. This is a faithful saying. And it is worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into this world. To do what? To save. To save sinners. A woman was brought to him in John 8. The Jews said to him, We caught her red-handed in adultery. Moses said we should stone her. What do you say? Hmm. Jesus looked at them and said, If you have not seen before, be the first to throw away the stone. And they all disappeared. And Jesus said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Have none of them condemned you? She said, no, sir. He now spoke to her and said, I am not condemning you for the sins that you have committed. I am actually forgiving you. But in addition to that, I am empowering you. Go and sin how many times? What is the meaning of no more? Those of you that know English language, you know, you know that no more means never sin again. Jesus cannot tell this woman what is not possible. Brothers and sisters, there is a state of life, we call it true genuine salvation from sin, that a man that is a sinner, like the woman, encountering the Savior, receiving forgiveness from the sins that he has committed, and then empowered so go and sin no more. It's a state. That's why he came. That's why he was hanging on the cross for six hours. And all the blood in his body gushed out. And the father was looking at him. It's not a joke. It's very serious. It's not just to forgive us and for us to go and commit again and come back again and say, God, I'm sorry. For how long? No! You know, I met... A man on evangelism one day, I was preaching to him, and he said to me that he's going to church or that. Uh, I said, But have you been saved from sin? He said that he's still living in sin. 
And then we, in the discussion, we, I asked him a question. I said, what's the difference between somebody who is going to church and somebody who is not going to church? He said, according to his church, they believe that there is big sin and there is small sin. And that there is sacrament of um, forgiveness or something like that. And then those who are going to church, they commit small sins and then they receive forgiveness and they sin with their conscience. But those who are not going to church, they sin anyhow. I said, no, that's not the Bible. He came to save. He met Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wanted to see him. And then he said to Zacchaeus, I will stay in your house today. The multitude murmured and said, He has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus was not just a sinner. He's such a notable public sinner that the multitude all know him. We have two types of sinners. We have the secret sinners and the public notable sinners. Before I gave my life to Christ and get born again, genuine born again, we have two types of born again too, fake ones and uh, genuine ones. Before I become a true born again, I was a secret sinner. Not like Zacchaeus. I attend church. I was brought and brought up in Anglican church. We go, we, in Appa, in those days of Appa. But, if you look at me, you will never know that I'm a sinner. Because everything that you will see about my life, there is nothing to show for it. But I know. I know that I am a sinner. That's one thing with every sinner. People may shake your hand and say, Oh, you brother, oh, you sister. But you know. And the Savior came to save sinners from their sin. And that is the foundation. That is the life. The first life. He must give and empower you. What gives people boldness to preach the gospel consistently, anywhere, anytime, is the testimony of their life. Both in the secret and in the public. That is one of the things that we must, you know, ensure that we have. Because heaven is a holy place for a holy people. We all know it. Sometimes you see the struggle that people pass through. A woman, I went to uh, preach to her. I was in evangelism again in the street. And I entered her house after preaching to her. I asked her, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? She said to me that... She, I didn't know that she's an Anglican, that she's an Anglican uh, person, and uh, she has, uh, she's a mother, she's a, a woman, a woman's guild, she has been ordained, and then uh, mother's union and all of that. But she said she has a problem. So my problem is this house help, this my girl that I'm living with. Anytime she does something that is provoking to me, I see myself cursing her in such a way that I know that this is wrong. I don't want to do that, but I see myself what? That's the power of sin. Oh, I am committing masturbation. I am watching pornography. I don't want to do that. I said, as a child of God, I am not supposed to do this. But after I have decided I will not do it, 
I see myself doing that again. When I was the head of departmental electronics engineering in UNM, there's a student that came for, you know, this is a um, result. He's supposed to have graduated, but he is having an overstay. So he came to meet me for his result, and then he said, Sir, because they know me as a man of God, even though I'm a lecturer, but he said, I have a problem. And I, th- I don't think that is normal. See, the way I commit masturbation, I know that something is wrong. And truly, when I prayed for him, it was true. Sin is not just an action. Sin has power to enslave the sinner. That even when the sinner says, I will not... Was it not Jesus that spoke to the Jews in uh, John chapter 8 verse 32? He said, truly, truly, I say unto you, anyone that commits sin is what? Is a slave to sin. But in such a way that if you want to come out, you see yourself back in it again. As if something is holding you down that you will not live the right life. That's a, one of our hymns in the church I love so much. In, in, I love singing it in Hebrew. Biakute Jesus, Anolodu, Nakokoya, Kosira Yuso, Takone Guso, Netitia, Jiwayona. Now look at the chorus. Look at the chorus. Zukonka Oka Bunani Owo We Obiai Kaponi Kintinjo Jesus No shall be full of joy when our heart has been delivered from the power of what? A young man said, I don't lie all the time. I lie when things are somehow and I know I'm about to enter into trouble and I have to lie to escape. I said, but you know that lying is a sin. Is that I said to him, there is nobody that lies all the time. The difference between two liars is the frequency. A particular liar may be lying maybe three times a day. We call such liars daily liars. Some kind of liars may be lying once in a week. We call them what? Weekly liars. Then we have monthly liars. Annual liars. Eh? Phone liars. A woman, I was in a, a bus, no, a taxi, and she told a lie with her phone. And the neighbor asked her, why are you lying with your phone? She said, it's not her that is lying, that it is her phone that is lying. I have to put them out. I say, woman, is, is it you that is lying or your phone? All I know is that my phone is lying. This phone. 
Revelation 21 verse 8 concluded all daily liars, weekly liars. You know, there are some of us, you go to work by 9 o'clock and you write 8.30 and you just took Holy Communion and you are telling lies. And you know, sometimes you, you, you are like, what can one do? There is something one can do. There is a power that breaks the power of sin and establishes you in righteousness. I love Isaiah 54 verse 14. It says, in righteousness you shall be established. Hebrew 1 verse 9 says, thou hast loved righteousness and hast hated iniquity. When salvation happens to a man, something happens within him. You will, you will notice that every love for sin dies. Every love for sin does what? Dies. And you see love for righteousness. That is why you will be able to stand anywhere, anytime. Defending the truth. Defending righteousness. I want us to pray. But I want you to shake your life and ask yourself the question. If men look at me, they will see me as somebody that is already saved. But me, am I saved? Am I saved from anger like the woman I talked about? Or we still get angry, quarrel and fight with our husband and wife and all of that. And then, you know, some say we are not perfect. We are not perfect. And then we some try to use that as a, an excuse. Some say we are, we are like fish in the water as fish cannot deny water. You know, we cannot deny sin. All those kind of things. Some say, eh, who, who does not sin? If you do your hand like this, you have sinned. All of us are sinners. It's a lie. We are born as sinners. All of us. Born as sinners. But God is not expecting us to die as sinners. Why? Because He has sent the Savior who died on the cross. That's our faith. We need to benefit from that death by ensuring that the foundation of our Christianity is strong, solid, established in Him. I want to conclude with that scripture I quoted first. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. Let me read it and I will pray with us. 1 John 3, 5. If you wish, I don't know whether the media will bring it up, but I would like us to read it together. If 1 John 3, verse 5. If you are there, let's read it together because of time. One to go. And ye know that he was manifested to do what? So take away, take away, watch me. Okay, and in him is what? Now, watch me. This, my Bible is here. I want to take it away from this pulpit. Is this Bible still here? If he has manifested in your life, he would have taken away your lust, your lies, your sexual immorality, your anger. The evidence of his manifestation in anybody's life is the practical taking away. And he said, in him. In him. So even if you say, I am in him, like those of us who are saying, I am in him. Anytime somebody provokes you and you want to quarrel with that person, you will notice that in him there is no, no quarrel. 
So I see you taking the excuse and say, Lord Jesus, I discover that in you there is no quarrel. And my wife, my husband has provoked me. And I need to quarrel with him or her. So permit me to go out of you and quarrel. When I finish quarreling, I'm going to come back. Please don't close the door. And then you come back and say, Is it because I have been keeping quiet that you have been messing up? Then you quarrel and quarrel. When you finish, you come back and say, God, I'm sorry, I want to return back. No. The Bible talks about those who lived and died in Christ. They are the people that will be truly saved on that day. Let us rise. I want you to pray. In one minute, pray, meditate over the word and say a word of prayer. Has he manifested in your life? Before he can manifest through your life, empowered to manifest, he will first of all manifest in your life. It is this manifestation in your life that will enable and equip you to manifest in him through to others. By preaching him both through your life and showing forth his works in healings and miracles and all of that. Jesus is here this morning and he's calling you. Are you a secret sinner? People may regard you because of one reason or the other, your participation in the church, your giving and all of that as a man of God, as a righteous person. But you know that you are battling with some secret habit of sin. Pornography, masturbation, lust, fornication, adultery. People may not know but you know. And God knows. And all liars and all sinners have no place in the kingdom. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website, www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivalabels at gmail.com or call 80 could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels. <laughs>